Welcome to episode number 85 of the Marine Layer podcast. We thought we'd do a bit of a pick-me-up episode today with the dark cloud hanging over the Mariners offseason. So we will rank where Julio is amongst Major League Baseball stars in 2024. Really fun discussion. Also, some new rule changes coming to Major League Baseball in 2024. We'll look at that in a wraparound, and we'll close out the show with ruthless replies for the second time. Here's your reminder before we start the show that if you're listening to the show, make sure to download our episodes, leave us a five-star review, and follow us wherever you get your audio side of your podcast. Go, go like, comment, subscribe on YouTube where our full video pod is, and then you can follow us on social media where we're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Thursday evening, December 21st. The final episode we will do before the holidays roll around. Lyle, it is good to be back up here in the Pacific Northwest, back in the great Emerald City. Uh, and we have gotten to the point of this offseason where it has been so slow for content that we have been we have been subjected to Lyle now in this off season a day full of private plane tracking and now a day full of which American football game is this Japanese superstar going to next and apparently Lyle Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to the Rams Saints game tonight now how about that for a scoop no he's not going to the Rams Saints game that that's what was confirmed they said he was going now he's not going. Well, he had a lot of conflicting reports. Who initially reported that he was going? Somebody had the report, and then a bunch of the national guys said, oh, correction here, he will not be attending the Rams game tonight. They said Otani tried to invite him, but Yamamoto had plans. All while he has informed the Giants, they are out. So it's going to be New York or L.A. But what's the bigger story? Oh, he's not at the Rams game. Well, hopefully get him. Hopefully he'll be sitting and watching on TV as the Rams taken out. So does does Shohei ask for a Puka Nakua autograph on his 17 jersey? That's a good question. How much football do we think Shohei watches? That's a good question. They should at least do a jersey swap. Each of them is holding 17 with the other person's last name on it. Well, oh, never mind. I was going to say if I were Puka Nakua, I'd go up to Shohei and say, hey, dude. You should have gone to Seattle, but then I realized Puka, much like Shohei, also did not choose Seattle. Puka originally no. chose Seattle, and then he left. Yeah, exactly. I just think it's so funny we've gotten to this part of the offseason. I mean, we really did think going into this offseason that this offseason had a chance of being very special and very different and very interesting for people paying attention to baseball. Well, not only has it been extremely slow, but like literally we're we're doing what like the DeAndre Jordan NBA free agency sweepstakes were in. I forget what year that was, where the where the Clippers essentially locked DeAndre Jordan in his house until he signed a new contract. Like that's what the that's the level of offseason. I feel like we've reached with Major League Baseball. I mean, I mean, come on, can, can guys just sign. This is taking forever. I don't know if it has to do with the regional sports network stuff. I don't know if everybody's waiting for Otani and Yamamoto to both sign before the rest of the market gets going, but this is boring. Like, we're talking about it's December 21st while we're recording this. There has been one marquee free agent signing. Well, do you want to count Eduardo Rodriguez? I guess that'd be two. I guess if you count Aaron Nola going back. Yeah, I mean, that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, grasping for straws I'll here. say Nola's to... marquee. Nola's marquee. Okay, so him going but back E-Rod to his original... is not. Okay, so no, but it's not even like Aaron Nola left and went to a new team. He just signed with his old team, which good for him, but that's not moving the needle much in terms of the hot stove getting hot. It's just, oh, okay, Aaron Nola's staying with the Phillies basically the rest of his career, and nothing is going on yet, and we're just waiting and waiting, not just for the Mariners, and we are still waiting for that, but for everybody. I mean, seriously, you and I are, the the most hope you and I are hanging on to this offseason is the fact that Jorge Soler wore a Griffey shirt in a workout. And there's I mean, been seriously <laughs> that and there was one report like we talked about in Wednesday's podcast saying the Mariners have been the most active in 
his sweepstakes than anybody. So I guess there's that. But yeah, when we're talking about, again, planes and NFL tickets and wearing certain players' shirts, like, can't we just get pen to paper here, guys? Can we get some passing bombs, please? Come on. Can we get a Christmas Day miracle? There's no way anybody signs on Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. You never know. Jerry never once made know. a trade on Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving Eve, wasn't it? Or was it Thanksgiving? No, it was on Thanksgiving. He made that Mitch Hanniger okay. Gene Segura trade. Yeah. Well, I know Jerry's phone is on during Christmas. So, Oh, I'm sure it's know. on. Speaking of on, are the lights on in your room? I mean, I, they kind of are, but it's, you're, you're darker than usual if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> No, so we've recorded two things today. You'll know what we recorded earlier when we release our Wednesday episode next week. But I'm actually in a different spot. I'm, I'm glad you asked. I'm actually in a different recording location because the one I was using before earlier today was occupied. It's really interesting being home, right? I had my I had my old bedroom, which obviously would be great. It was very spacious, and that's where I was recording earlier today. But as soon as you move out, dog, I mean, your stuff it, it gets yeeted out. It gets yeeted out, and you no longer have any territory that you call yours in your own house. So I got to make do with what I got. See, look at me. I'm holding my mic right here. Normally, this is nice and propped up, and I don't have to worry about it. But I, I got to hold, and I got to stand for this whole episode. It, it's all part of being home for the holidays, dog. It's uh, We got we got to make some sacrifices. I feel like our households have different philosophies. Like My brother doesn't live at the house anymore. He's he's out in Ohio, but his stuff his stuff hasn't moved. They haven't turned his room into some home theater or extra office or anything like that. So I don't know, different different philosophies in our two households, I guess. Yeah, well, we we just didn't have as much room really downstairs for another office until, you know, the the two the two t- twins moved out and then there was room for one. And mine got a, a lot of sunlight and some good views of the backyard. So so I won the lottery. So it it is what it is. I do wish I still had my space. It'd be a, be a lot better. But, you know, we do, we do what we can do. Yeah. You're not, again, you're not quite sitting in the dark or anything like that. But usually there is just a bright light shining on you when you're sitting in your apartment in Corvallis. And it looks a little bit different here. Not that it's bad, but anybody watching on YouTube, that's what's going on. Yeah. Well, that's a key. If you want to see how dark I am, please go subscribe to our YouTube. Yes. Okay, before we get into the show, let's take a quick pause to hear about our friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85. Guess what? I was just over there the other day. I go over, honestly, pretty regularly. You know why? Because it's an awesome place to hang out, whether you want to watch some games, hang out with some friends, drink some great drinks, get some good food, you name it. Play some pool, play darts. Head over there, Pagacha's Pub 85. It's our favorite place to hang out, especially on the weekends. And what can you do over there? Well, like we mentioned, aside from all the great food and drink options, there's also some happy hour specials during the weekdays if you show up at the key times. It's Monday through Friday from 2 to 6 p.m. And those specials include $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, and $4 House Wines. Go have a good time with your friends. Hang out eat, drink, and watch some games over at Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Okay, I think it's safe to say, after everything we've endured this offseason, after the Wednesday show we did with Jeff Baker, which was a great episode and a great interview, but it was not the most upbeat interview for anybody that listened. I think you'd agree. I think you and I would sit here and agree. So what do we say today? Well, there's not a lot of Mariners news right now. People are kind of down in the dumps on this Mariners offseason. What can we do? Let's have a fun episode, man. Like, I, and let's do something fun. Let's talk about something engaging. Let's get people upbeat. Along with personally, like, I just need it at this point. I, I can't do any more talk about the RSNs. I can't do any more talk about root sports. I can't do any more talk about payroll. It's driving me nuts. So we said let's put together an actual fun episode for this show and have a blast doing it. So that's what we did, I think. And I'll say there's nothing really more engaging than ranking. I, literally, us us putting together these rankings uh, got like us engaged in it, which which is really good. So the premise of this is we're taking Julio Rodriguez and Lyle and I are each giving our take of why he would rank where he does amongst the stars in Major League Baseball. It is a very real possibility that sometime in his career, Julio Rodriguez is number two in Major League Baseball, right behind Shohei Otani. However, 
I think you and I will very clearly agree here early. He is not number two in Major League Baseball, which makes it actually quite more fun to pick out where is Julio among his peers in Major League Baseball after year two. And TJ and I are going to differ on this, I'm sure. So we each made some tiers with some lists, and then we're going to get into it. So we're going to talk about the tiers. We made three different tiers. And then at the end of the segment, we're each going to rank where we'd put him among all of baseball. So here are the three tiers we kind of assessed. Our first one is guys that are definitively ahead of Julio. The second tier will be players that you can argue to put Julio over, but certainly would not be unanimous. And then the third tier is players in his range that you would rank him over. So I think we agreed on the first five in the tier of guys definitively ahead of him. Because here's where I, as far as I know, you and I have the same list. And those five are, in some order or another, Shohei Otani, I think we both agree he's at one. Mm-hmm. Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, Freddie Freeman. Those are the five. Those are the five guys in baseball that say, you know what? As amazing as Julio is, I do not think there's an argument for him to be above any of those five players. I agree. I have one more player in that tier. And I put, after his season in 2023, Corey Seager earns a spot in there. I think he is... He, I think he clearly made a point that when he is healthy, he is clearly better than what Julio Rodriguez is right now. Okay, so we're we're like splitting hairs on this because I had Seager as the first guy in the next category. I said, look, if you really wanted to present an argument for why Julio is a better player than Corey Seager, and I know what Corey did this past year was unbelievable, which would have resulted in an MVP had it not been for maybe the greatest player to ever live, taking it instead of him. So I had Seager at six. I, I put him in the category of if you really work for it, if you really string together numbers off Savant, Fangraphs, Reference, test, Leadership, wh- whatever you want to use, maybe there is something there to say Julio could be put above Corey Seager. I would not rank Julio above Seager at this point, so I put Seager at six. So pretty much, I'd say we're in the same, we're in the same tier on that range. Now, is there much more to dive in on with those guys? I think that's pretty set in stone, right? I think the argument's pretty much right yourself. Hey, if you want to make an argument that Julio is better than any one of those guys, credit to you. Like, wow, like there's just, I don't see much point. I don't, I don't know what, what data points you're going to be pointing to. For as great as Julio is, I think it's pretty clear cut those guys are better. I mean, it, it's honestly not very close. But the next tier, as you said, it, well, close, but not close enough. I'll put it that way. That's a better way to frame it. Right. And I will say before we get to our next tier, our listeners are awesome and people are engaged. So if you have an argument for why Julio is better than any of those guys, please tell us in the YouTube comments. Please Mm -hmm. tell us on Instagram or on Twitter, whether it's in our replies, whether you DM us, send us the arguments. If you've got an argument for one of those guys being behind Julio, tell us. Now, the second tier here. Again, I'll, I'll reread it. Players that you can argue to put Julio over, but certainly won't be unanimous. That's the second tier. I think the two of us are going to differ a little bit on who's in this tier of players. I'll let you go first. So uh, at the top, I mean, guys that, again, it really depends on the person. Mike Trout, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve. I have Juan Soto in this tier. I have Trey Turner in this tier. I have Matt Olson in this tier. I have Marcus Simeon, Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor and Fernando Tatis Jr. Are any of those really jump out to you? So here's my tier. Again, I said I had Corey Seager in this tier, which I do. I have Juan Soto, Jordan Alvarez, Matt Olson, Mike Trout, Francisco Lindor, Jose Altuve. After Seager, at least for now, not in any real particular order. I guess maybe Trout's seven. Uh, mm-hmm. After that, I guess you can argue however you want. There are a couple that you named in there that stand out to me, and I guess that being one Trey Turner, because I think you and I are going to measure this ranking a little bit differently, which you're taking clearly Trey's track record much more into account because Trey Turner did not have a very good year for the most part of 2023, even though he turned it around toward the end, he really struggled for at least half the year and as a result didn't have as big of a season. Jose Ramirez was close. I guess I put him slightly in the third tier. Again, he he didn't he had a good year this past year, a very good year, but it just wasn't quite Jose Ramirez-esque, I guess. The one that stands out to me is Tatis. I think we got to dive in on this one. Tatis is definitively not in the second tier for me. He's in the I do third. have a couple more I was going to say I have a couple more rebuttals for the the previous two you mentioned, but yeah, let's let's go to Fernando Tatis first. 
I think of this as sort of a wait and see with Fernando Tatis. If you are convinced that his 2023 season is what he is without whatever measure of cheating he did and what he was suspended for, then he's clearly not better than Julio Rodriguez. Clearly. I mean, a 113 WRC plus is not good enough really to overcome uh, not good enough on top of elite defense to top Julio because Julio plays an elite offensive position. But the thing is, I mean, I just look at three straight years when he debuts in any sort of length of a 150 WRC plus or higher at a premium position and looking like he has some of the most historical power stats in the world and thinking when he's only 24 years old that even if he stops doing whatever he's doing, I can't imagine that power just goes away. And it's very possible that Fernando Tatis's 2023 season was just the result of him missing over a year's worth of time before returning to Major League Baseball. Like that's entirely possible, right? That he just, his timing wasn't there and it would have been much better for him to roll season after season instead of taking an entire year plus off. So I'm banking he returns to what he was pre-suspension and that player in right field is better than Julio Rodriguez. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earned from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Fair points. Argument valid. I respectfully am going to disagree. Point number one, and and this is what I'm going to drive home. The fact we are in wait and see mode with Tatis is why I can't put him in tier two. The fact we're in wait and see with Tatis has dropped him a category below, along with the the year he had. If he had gone back to being prime Fernando Tatis, what he was doing before the PDs and the injuries, he'd be in tier two. He'd be a top 10 guy for sure. He wasn't that this year. The fact Fernando Tatis Jr., has not been a better player than Julio Rodriguez since Julio stepped into the big leagues, says all you need to say. Like the last time Fernando was better than Julio, Julio was not a big leaguer yet because Tatis missed all of 2022. And in 2023, he comes back and puts up a 770 OPS and a 113 WRC plus. Like that's just, that's, that's not a top 10 baseball player to me. It's just not. I know he was maybe the best outfielder in baseball this year when you look at OAA and his defense was phenomenal. I know that when he is at his best, He is a top 10 player. But again, what is his best at this point? Does it involve PEDs? Does it not involve PEDs? Since he has come back from allegedly using no more PEDs and cheating, he was 13% above league average as a hitter. Like, I can't put that guy next to a Jordan Alvarez who put up a 180-whatever WRC plus in 22 and a 170 in 23. I just can't do it. That's a fair point. Yeah, you do make some solid arguments, and I think we have a cl- we will have a clear picture of this direct argument next season after next season. Yeah. I th- like I think it'll be it'll be pretty clear because either uh, some of this also hinges on like Julio truly breaking out offensively, and I mean not just being a really good offensive player. I mean becoming a great offensive player, which many think he is, but he hasn't quite reached that yet. It's it's a little unfair to expect someone to reach their peak offensively in their first two seasons. Fernando Tatis, again, is a guy who did that. Like, I I don't know how uh, any shortstop, really, caliber player could be any better offensively than Fernando Tatis was at his peak. When he's at his peak, he is the face of baseball, as people called him, for sure. It's been two years since we've seen that. So, yes, I think think 2024 is is very, very, is going to be very telling for who Tatis is. If he goes back to being prime Tatis, great. You can We can come back to this podcast in a few months and say, old takes exposed at you, Lyle. That's fine. But mm-hmm. right now, I'd say we don't know. Are there any other guys in this list that you would, like, wh- which other one is, like, your firm that, not firm, but, like, leaning Julio over? 
do we want to give that away yet or should we save it till the end? Oh, well, yeah, I get, yeah, we do. I was going to say like, I was going to sort of back up for J Ram. Like J Ram, I did have a down season, but like you go back and you look at his fan grass page and you're like, Hmm. Yeah. He's actually, that dude's actually pretty damn good. Oh, he's amazing. I was going to say, if you want to present cases for J Ram and Trey Turner here, cause they're in your tier two, go ahead. I just, I just didn't have them there. Well, my Trey Turner thing, I mean, Julio's never been worth six wins, and Trey Turner's previous two seasons were over six wins. Both. I mean, that that's just like a flat war argument. That's, Trey's also getting a little older too. Yeah, you're okay. You're so you're very very nitpicking here with that because okay, Julio put up five point nine in twenty three, so he barely missed six. If you want to call it that, well, I, Trey was like half a win better at okay. minimum. So, like, I mean, that's just like just what it is. And again, war is very subjective. It's also cumulative as well so julio missing time with injury doesn't help him especially back in 22 in his rookie year when he missed some time with that hand injury so again it's all subjective right these rankings are interesting that's why i'm very excited for us to get to the the final part of this where we actually have our our ranking where i know you and i are a little bit different on on where we put it read us your tier three i think i or actually i'm gonna read it i'm gonna read the tier three on my own list because I wanted to make sure I tried I tried at least to include everybody who is labeled mm-hmm. a star. If we somehow miss somebody, we're sorry. We think we included just about everybody who deserves to be on this list. Here is tier three. If TJ wants to add anybody else, he can. In tier three, and again, we're not including Julio in any of these tiers yet. We're going to rank him at the end. These are players. The, what we name this tier is players in Julio's range that we would probably rank him over. Corbin Carroll, Luis Robert, Kyle Tucker, Austin Riley. I had Fernando Tatis in this tier. Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, Marcus Semien, who I also had in this tier. Bobby Witt, Paul Goldschmidt, Trey Turner. Again, different tiers on that one. Mm-hmm. Rafael Devers, Nolan Arenado, Jose Ramirez, Alex Bregman. I, we tried to include everybody. That is that is the lump of guys that right is right around Julio's range, or at least close to it. I had Adley in there too. Oh. Good call. We left yeah. out Adley. Okay, so Adley Rushman, last guy. That's about 28 guys. Yeah, there's a lot of stars in this game. Mm-hmm. And should we add, too, we're not putting pitchers in here. Like, it's just too hard to say what's Julio's value to Garrett Coles or Zach Wheeler's or whoever because it's like, okay, you can compare wars, but then what? It's it's impossible. So Yeah, I mean, unless you want Julio to get on a mound, which would be fun to watch. <laughs> Could he hit... How how fast do we think he'd hit? I mean, probably over 90, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, he could probably go low 90s. Mm-hmm. But, like, the problem is his mechanics are pro- aren't fine-tuned enough for him to really, like, really unlock. I mean, if he really had, if, let's say he had, like, immaculate mechanics, I wouldn't be shocked if he could touch over 95. But, you know, you got to do that. You got to really put work in to do that. Yeah, you do. I don't know if there's anybody in here that we really should highlight. I guess there's a couple. One, maybe people are going to ask about Bryce Harper, why he's so low. Look, from where he stands right now, he's not really playing any defense. He can barely throw the ball. So it's kind of a deal breaker right there. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe TJ and I are going to differ on this a little bit, but at least I know how in my rankings I'm factoring Julio into all this is look, defense is going to matter for me. I know, I know it might not to everybody, but the fact Julio is a true five tool guy matters there there are guys on this list that are phenomenal at one or two things but they are not all around players so we're going to get to that in a bit but Bryce Harper as we said is not currently an all-around player because again he, he he hits and he hits phenomenally but he's not really playing defense yeah that's fair I, I don't think you're really missing anyone that I didn't have in my my third tier I mean I didn't write down Devers but Devers is definitely in that third tier for sure um like Dever, but Devers is another guy whose defense is just shaky to try and complement it with the bat is is an interesting task for Rafi, and he's yeah not he, he's consistent hitting, but I'm I'm he's definitely in that third tier. Yeah, I, I spoiler, <laughs> Julio's going to rank ahead of Rafael Devers on my yeah, list. Yeah, same with same in mine. I'm trying to think anybody else on here that's that's worth it. I mean, Cor- <laughs> like somebody like Corbin Carroll and Julio are close, and maybe that'll reflect in the rankings. I think somebody like we talked about Tatis, Austin Riley's a pretty interesting guy i mean i mean i think i've said this for a while now this guy might be the most slept on player in baseball still like i know everybody knows austin riley now but i still feel like he's less appreciated than he should be yeah he's he's in my third tier uh, and i like not a secret he's who going to be over him but 
uh, he is like consistency is there. I mean, he's not the world's best defender at third base, which does not help him. And which separates him from, say, a prime Nolan Arenado or, or Jose Ramirez at his best. But in terms of swinging the bat, I mean, he's he's pretty darn good. Might not he might he's not in the top tier of hitters in Major League Baseball. And I think if he was in the top, top tier of Major League Baseball and hitters, he would be a little higher on this list because average defense with unbelievable offensive production lands you in the second tier. But really good offensive production and middling defense probably puts you in the third tier. Yeah, and he's in my third tier too, which I agree with. I guess the one other guy you had in tier two that I had in tier three was Marcus Semien. Mm-hmm. And he just, he hasn't out hit Julio either season. And, and I mean, I guess both guys play defensive positions that are important and play very good defense, but I I, I, I guess yeah. I just wouldn't say Semien is a better ball player than Julio. I know he finished higher in the MVP voting this year. And. Maybe that's I'll, a fair thing. I'll say that's not even point. something I really honestly considered. I here's here's my Marcus Simeon thing. First of all, he missed has missed one game in three seasons. <laughs> that's pretty valuable. First yeah. off, like you get every cent of your contract that's uh, that's worth that. And I also took it into a slight context of second baseman. Like second base isn't a great hitting position outside of Altuve and Simeon. So the fact that he's able to do that while playing the best defense in the league at at um at second base i mean it's a it's a, it's a pretty good player so i mean that's it's it's he ranks higher than i think some people would i know some people might think is 104 wrc plus and 22 is legitimately not concerning but would knock him down a tier and i totally wouldn't blame anyone for doing that but i think i think simeon's really proven himself over time to to earn his way into that second tier all right I mean, look, again, he was he was an MVP finalist this year, but he was an MVP finalist and also still didn't put up a higher WRC plus than Julio this year. Like people tab this year as a down year for for Julio. And look, first half of the year, he had his issues. He, he wasn't hitting as well as people expected him to. But when it was all said and done, Julio still put up a higher WRC plus than Semyon did. And back in 22, Julio was about 40 percent better, if not higher than Semyon was. So I'm probably going to have Julio over Semyon again. What do we keep saying? This is all subjective. If you have an argument otherwise, that's totally fair. But these are different. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to cover before we get to it here. Like, where are we going to rank Julio Rodriguez on each of our lists? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm doing some second uh, secondhand on the on the job evaluation here, dog. So it might be it might be a last minute switch. Okay, so, so are doing you some the, deep thinking. Are you putting the pressure on me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. Okay. He's still not going to be ranked where you ranked him. Okay. I have Julio Rodriguez at number eight among hmm. all players in baseball. I have the first five ahead of him. Shohei, Acuna, Betts, Judge, Freeman. I have Corey Seager ahead of him. I have Mike Trout ahead of him. And Trout is interesting, right? Because you have to measure Trout of, okay, he's the best player in baseball outside of Shohei when he's healthy. Hasn't been healthy in a long time for a full season. I get it. If Julio has one more big year and Trout's still hurt, I'll catapult Julio over Trout. For now, I'm still going to leave Trout there. But yeah, he's at eight. And what did I say? Defense plays a factor into this for me. And truthfully, it plays an important one. And I guess base running to some extent does too. People are going to say Juan Soto, Jordan Alvarez, like Matt Olson. Look, those guys are phenomenal players. And, and it's, again, we're, it's, we're splitting hairs here, like we said earlier. Juan Soto does not play a lick of defense. Look, Juan Soto occupies left field or right field. He does not play a lick of defense. He's one of the best hitters in the world. But his overall value often ranks below where Julio is because he doesn't play any defense. Jordan's pretty much the same thing. It's funny. Jordan plays, he's actually measured okay out in left field, but he also plays in like the smallest left field in baseball, having to roam around those Crawford boxes at Minute Maid Park. It's the same deal. Jordan is is not valuable defensively, and Julio is. So I have him over guys like that. And I know Matt Olson just had this historic season. But again, position that is not all that valued defensively at first base. Outside of that huge 2023, he has not had another year like that anytime recently. And there's a lot of ways in which Julio ranks out better than Olson does. So again, subjective. Other people may feel differently. This is where I have Julio. It's eight. 
eight in May- baseball. Yeah, so I was pretty conflicted in my rankings. I've been like, I'm honestly doing some. It's like my I'm tinkering my fantasy football lineup right here. That's what I'm doing with these rankings. I had them at thirteen. Man, like this is going to be such a such a odd ranking. I I think if I were to get another shot at this, I might switch some things up here. But I'm just going to stick with my guns because it's what I did. So Shohei's obviously number one. I Mookie, Ronald, Aaron Judge, Corey Seager, Freddie Freeman, the top six think it's kind of hard to argue those i think those players this past season have established themselves as the best six players in baseball mike trout at seven jose ramirez keeps his top top 10 spot at eight matt olson's at nine i mean he was the fourth best offensive player in baseball this season and and as a first baseman as a first baseman was worth more wins above replacement than julio this year like, let's take that into account. Like, that's pretty significant. That yeah. tells you the level of player he is over there. So after Matt Olson, I have Altuve, who continues to just be incredible. Then I have Fernando Tatis and Marcus Simeon. The the big one is probably Marcus Simeon here. And if I again, if I if I were to go back on my word and reevaluate, Marcus Simeon's position might change. But I'm going to stick consistent on this podcast. I'm going to put Marcus Simeon at 12 and Julio at 13. Then right after that is Juan Soto and Jordan Alvarez, who are getting, or probably, if we're talking hitters in baseball, they're both in the top three. But for the sake of these rankings, they would be ranked right after Julio. So that's that's where I have Julio uh, in this list. And I, I do think I, I did a good job of evaluating defense in this list as well, with uh, including Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson, who are two pretty good gloves at first base, and taking into account that like their defense is pretty good. And their offense is otherworldly as two of the four best hitters in baseball this past season. So I, I think I think that's a pretty good list. I'm sure someone in the comment section is going to call me an idiot, which, hey, you're allowed to do that. <laughs> you're going to get called a hater. I'm going to get called a homer. Like, that's just how it's going to go. So that's fine. I, and, and, and I also want to put into context, like you said, like Julio had a down offensive season. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he did. Julio was a good hitter for or a great hitter. Sorry, for one month, he was uh, like a good hitter for another month. And the rest of the months, he was eh, probably yeah. not good enough. Like for a top 10 player in baseball, top 10 players don't do that. Not really. Not usually, but again, the defense plays a big help. And I mean, when it was all said and done, that was his yearly production. It would have been nice if it was spread out more, but production's production. And, and right. so wherever it came from, it, it did stem from somewhere. I will say you have Jordan and and Soto much lower than I would have figured. Like I, I do not have those guys currently behind players like Tatis and Semyon. Well, if you're taking defense into account, then yeah. That's no, it. And, I mean, and, we're talking about like Marcus Simeon, like again, one of the best defenders on the infield in baseball, and Fernando Tatis, maybe the best defender of the outfield in baseball, on top of good offensive production. Yeah, it's it's hard to measure. Again, it's so subjective. All these guys are so good. I guess it's the fact that while they might not be the best overall players, there there is an argument here to be made. Juan Soto and Jordan Alvarez are the two best pure hitters on planet Earth. So. And there, Shohei. There, yeah, okay, and Shohei. But there is an argument there. There, There is an argument that you could put somebody like Jordan or like Soto ahead of Shohei. I'm not saying everybody would, but some people might. And we're also not saying they're not worth the money they're, they're, they will eventually get. When Juan Soto signs a contract for over $40 million a year, yeah, he deserves it. And mm-hmm. if the Mariners could afford that, I would pay him every single cent that he wants. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I do, I do look forward to seeing what the replies are going to be to these. I'm sure there'll be a jolly old time with a lot of calm heads. Okay, let, let's run through our list one more time, so just in case people missed it. So I'm going to go through mine. If Julio at 13, the ranking goes Shohei, Mookie, Acuna, Judge, Seager, Freeman, Trout, Ramirez, Olsen, Altuve, Tatis, Simeon, Julio, and then Soto and Jordan Alvarez after him. Okay, so I put... I had Shohei, Acuna, that's Judge, Freeman, Corey Seager, Mike Trout, Julio at 8, Juan Soto at 9, Alvarez at 10. Okay, there we go. So. Fire away, boys. Fire away. Like I said, well, <laughs> will cool heads prevail? Will we have some calm people in the replies? Well, YouTube no. doesn't usually go that way, does it? No, no. I don't think so. I wish, but that would be nice. It'd be a little bit easier to sift through the comments. Let's get to our MOB wraparound. 
So in the wraparound today, Lyle, a little bit shorter because, as we mentioned, there's not really much going on in baseball. However, MLB did change some rules today, which I think are very interesting. The biggest one that stands out to me, they're tweaking the pitch clock with runners on base from 20 seconds to 18 seconds. I don't really think this is going to be that big a deal, to be honest. I'm not really sure we're even going to notice it. I, I think it may just be second nature. I'm not sure 20 seconds versus 18 seconds is really going to register in anybody's heads. It's fine if Major League Baseball decided we want to try to speed up the games even just a little bit more, and most of these pitchers do not need 20 seconds with a guy on base between pitches. Then okay, shorten it two seconds. I don't think anybody's getting hurt too much by it. There's this stat here that there was an average of 7.3 seconds remaining on the 20-second timer when pitchers threw a pitch with runners on base. So on average, they would get 20 seconds and the pitchers would only use 13 of it when there was a runner on base. So seems like a little more efficient use of time to have it go down to 18 seconds. Like 18 is probably the sweet spot, I think. I mean, there was some talk of this before it even started this season that the pitch clock could be a little bit long on with runners on base. So I'm, I'm glad they did this. And at least they're using some data behind that as well. Here's another one to to help with sort of sleazy managing. Barring an injury, a pitcher who begins to warm up at the start of an inning will now be required to face at least one batter. So the rule was before, as soon as you step on the mound and throw a pitch to a live batter, you had to face three. If you were starting an inning, you had to face three batters coming in cold out of the bullpen. But if you take the mound, period, at the start of an inning, you have to face a batter. I wonder how yeah. that's going to be enforced. Are they going to like? Is it cross the foul line? Is it step on the the mound dirt? Like, what would that be? Maybe once you enter out of the bullpen, once you get onto the infield dirt, something like that. Yeah, because a lot of the times you'd see okay, bullpen guy comes back out right after finishing an inning. He oh yeah, so this would be this would be coming back out after an inning. So yeah, maybe a guy comes back out in past seasons. He'd warm up a little bit. Offense puts in a pinch hitter to try to favor the matchup, whether it's right on left, left left on right, etc. And then as soon as the new hitter gets announced, manager walks out, goes to his bullpen, and then that's it. That's what they're preventing now. So now I would guess it's once you're beyond the foul line or once you're up on the mound, something like that is where the rule is. But yeah, this this will help. This will help kind of cut out some of the fat of the game still. And they're also now going to reduce the amount of mound visits you get to. This is not entirely groundbreaking. Most teams don't even use all of their mound visits in a given game. So Major League Baseball is going to take uh, one away. And a couple more important ones they did. So the pitch clock will now be... uh, The pitch timer will reset and start after a dead ball as soon as the pitcher is given the ball, not after he gets to the mound. So he can't walk up to the catcher, get the ball, and then walk all the way back to the mound slowly and take his time. And then once he gets on the mound dirt, it starts. No, it's going to start as soon as he gets the ball. So we might get some funny videos of guys getting the ball back from their catcher and sprinting back to the mound. That'll be a good time. Man. I guess the last one here is the runner's lane to first base when running from home to first is widened a little bit now. Now you have the infield grass to run on. Well, what have we always seen, Lyle? We've seen managers and players get ejected for running to like running to first base on a tapper in front of the plate. And after the batter is usually running on outside of that lane, which is usually from the foul line to the the foul territory dirt on whatever side that is that the runners lane to first base and the catcher would throw it into his back and he'd get called out. And they're like, well, there's not enough room to run. And also doesn't make sense because that original lane is not in line with the base. The base is in fair tor- territory. The lane is in foul territory. But now that lane extends into fair territory. So as long as you're in the dirt of uh, of the baseline, you're good. And if they throw it into your back, you're safe. And you don't have to complain of being like, well, if I'm running out of the right-handed batter's box and I'm running towards first base, like I'm obviously like the angle I'm taking is running on the grass. I'm not running in foul territory. So like it kind of works out. We'll probably see less ejections because of this and significantly happier players and managers. Yeah, I didn't really know what to think of this when I saw this new rule, but it's probably only going to help. It helps the hitters a little bit more. And like you said, it, it, it provides less controversy on, controversy on those plays on those throws down to first base from the catchers. So 
hopefully it all helps. Hopefully it speeds the game up a little bit more. I think they did a really good job with the pitch clock this year. We saw it work, obviously. Games got significantly shortened, which was very helpful. And it may continue to go that way without really ruining the integrity of the game, which I think is important. Before we get to our ruthless replies, let's hear a word from Simply Seattle. There still might be time for you to finish up Christmas shopping if you haven't. If you still need to do some last-second shopping, we recommend you go to our friends at Simply Seattle. You can use our code MARINE15 for 15% off your order. If you're a sports fan of anyone in the Pacific Northwest, we're talking Mariners, Seahawks, Kraken, Huskies, Sonics. They have all the gear for you. You can go online to simplyseattle.com and use our code MARINE15 for all your last second Christmas shopping and get 15% off your order. Again, that is MARINE15 at simplyseattle.com. We recommend it. We've gotten some gear from them. It is fantastic. I, I, mean, I just love my throwback Seahawks cap. I love it. You can get the same one and get 15% off at simplyseattle.com. Okay, Lyle, let's get to our ruthless replies. Whew. So once a month, if you missed this the first time around, we did it about a month ago. We said once a month now, we're going to find some of our favorite replies, whether it's in our social media comments or YouTube comments, wherever. We're going to read them here on the show because a lot of them are a lot of fun. Now, I'll give it, I'll give some people a warning again. If you're watching on YouTube, there's not going to be an audio bed because, again, copyright stuff. If you're listening, there will be an audio bed, but we're going to put the, t- the actual screenshots of the tweet up on the YouTube side. So there's an incentive to both listen and watch this part of the show if you don't do so already. So let's start. I'm going to start with my favorite one here that is now our Twitter header, X header, whatever you want to call it. So we posted a highlight of Munitaka Murakami a few weeks ago. We kind of just made a joke about it. Oh, it was after the Jamer Candelario signing. And I was like, oh, the Mariners aren't signing Candelario? Well, it's chestnut checkers. I put a highlight of Murakami on there. Instead, we got a couple replies, a couple replies saying like, what are you talking about, dude? There's absolutely no chance. And somebody replied to a reply saying nothing but, and I quote, average TikToker baseball fan. Well, my friends, that is our new motto here on the Marine Layer Pod. We are average TikToker baseball fans. Pretty spot on, if I had to be honest with you. That's why we made it our header. Yeah, many of our comments actually seem to agree, and there's a big reason for why we made this segment, Lyle. I think it's funny. I think it's good. We have another another one on YouTube that, I mean, I I think this is directed at us, Lyle. It was us talking about the Mariners still being in on Shohei Otani. So this person suggested, since we, we've got our tinfoil hats on, I heard that Shohei is actually an alien from the planet Show Me the Money. Bullshit doublespeak like uh, like that is kryptonite to him. So that is why he won't sign here. Makes sense when you think about it, Lyle. Conspiracy theories are the reason Shohei Otani will never sign in Seattle. Yeah. During some of Shohei Otani's most important days of his life where he has to decide where he's going to spend the next 10 plus years of his career. What's he doing? Oh, he's not talking with his agent. He's not training. He's not talking with teams on the phone. No, he's scrolling through Reddit saying, well, the Mariners actually reportedly offered me a one-year $65 million deal, which may or may not be true in any sense whatsoever. Therefore, you're out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what did we say when we talked about that Reddit report on that episode? We were like, did we go to journalism school? Absolutely. Does that matter for this episode? Absolutely not. We are going to dive in on this Reddit report no matter what we did for a profession and a major in college. Better yet, Shohei found our TikTok account. And that that was the final decision, actually, Lyle. Speaking of Shohei and our TikTok account, if we're getting to our next reply, man, people got fired up when we were talking about Shohei a lot of the time because it was during one of our TikToks and, and Instagram reels, our social media posts, talking about, are we sure the Mariners are out on Otani? Or again, could this Reddit report have any validity? We get a reply to a TikTok that I did or a social media post that I did saying, words can't describe how much I hate this guy. Well, I didn't, I don't know what I did to be so offensive. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. I'm, I'm just the worst. Haven't you heard? You are the worst. And this other TikTok comment, Lyle, agrees with you. So uh, this was a video of you talking about 
Jorge Soler. And our good friend here says, so a guy with a career 24.5% K rate is too high, but a guy with a career 26% K rate is manageable. You guys suck at this shit. That make you feel any better, Lyle? Made my whole day. Are you kidding me? Man. Like, Those are I, words of encouragement right there. I mean, man, fired. I'm fired up right now, Lyle. Let's go. <laughs> You're doing the Don LaGreca. I'm jumping up and down. <laughs> should, should we get our own giveable clip right here? All right, commenter, are you ready? Ready with me, Lyle? Clown, Clown show. show. Clown show. Clown show. Clown show. Clown show. If you don't uh, know that, go go look at that clip on YouTube. You, it's really easy to find. Don LaGreca Clown Show on YouTube. One of my favorite internet videos of all time. It's amazing. It just shows you New York sports is another level. Again, what I talked about in this TikTok, I said, or I, I, I keep saying TikTok, the social media post. Jorge Soler does have a manageable K right now. Why? Because he's brought it down since the early times of his career when he was striking out left and right. Like, the Mariners would not have issues with Jorge Soler's strikeout problem, at least based off what he's done the last few years. If he was here, he'd be perfectly fine. So just, I, I'm sure most of you listening know that, but we'll just reiterate it again. Okay. Fake news, Lyle. Fake news. Whew. Well, I've got some news for you, TJ. I don't Uh-oh. think it's fake news. Uh-oh. We've got some news that we're about to make some money, according to this commenter, because we had another TikTok where we talked about keep doing that social media posts where we keep where we were talking about a would you rather for this for this edition we did cal raleigh we said who would you take cal raleigh over in terms of other catchers so it was a would you rather segment we talked about sean murphy we talked about will smith we talked about jonah heim wilson Contreras, a few others and we got a reply saying sell your podcast equipment holy shit so <laughs> how much are we making off our stuff? We're, we're, we're going to be a few hundred bucks richer, I would like to think. Does my computer, is my computer count? I'd be a lot richer if that was the case. Oh, yeah. You're talking about an extra like thousand to fifteen hundred bucks at least if you're going to conclude. Oh, someone wants to pay me a thousand dollars. I'll sell it. Yeah, but then wouldn't you have to use that thousand dollars to actually get a new computer? Hopefully it'd be a newer one. I see well, a benefit to this, Lyle. I am seeing a benefit to this. All right. Mind games. All right. You've been a little, it's been a bit of a negative uh, ruthless reply so far. So I want to give you a bit of a pick me up, make you feel a little bit better in this segment. So we had a lovely comment on our YouTube page that really is just gassing Lyle up. And to make you feel a lot better, Lyle, I wish to hear Lyle speaking more than TJ. There, There you go, Lyle. That I have just made this episode for you. You should clip this and find a way to post it on your digital wall. It'll, sorry, on your digital mantle forever. I'm going to take it a step further. That comment has inspired me to make an executive decision here and say, TJ, you're off the show. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Listen, well. replier that will remain nameless inspired life into me. It inspired, it inspired something to say, you know what? I need to take a stand. I won't let TJ talk anymore. I'm sick of listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. And as always, to all these kind comments, I just, I would just like to say thanks for watching. Thanks for watching indeed. We could not appreciate it enough. We're going to cap it off with one more when we were talking about would Julio speaking out against ownership change anything? Would it change their minds at all? And we get a reply to cap this all off. People who watch baseball do not ask these questions. So to recap all of this, TJ, not only are we dumb, not only should we sell our podcast up, we also not only actually, should I stop talking. We also actually do not sit down and watch baseball games. Ever. No, I don't think so. Actually, I have one more for you. One more banger that is right up your alley. Okay. Okay. I saved this one just for you. You guys are too analytically driven, Lyle. We are too analytically driven. I doubt Derek Jeter, this was a conversation about Derek Jeter's defense, cares that he has called a bad defensive player in today's metrics. 
Uh, let me skip all the haboob in this one and say, clearly a bad defender didn't cost the Yankees when they were stacking World Series appearances. You can't measure a, his high baseball IQ and his, my favorite one, his will to win and leadership with analytics. Boom, Lyle, we have owned the nerds. <laughs> I don't even know how this is still being argued. Like, spend five seconds looking at anything about his defense, and it shows you exactly what you need to see. Look, I know I'm getting worked up over somebody's random reply now, but still, or ruthless reply, I should say. Even still, you know why Derek Jeter made all those jump throws over the years? Because while he had to jump and throw across his body in midair to get a throw to first base, Carlos Correa would have simply backhanded it and threw a dart across the diamond with no issues whatsoever. It's a tough reality, Lyle. It is a tough, tough reality. Something that people can't grasp. Hey, yeah. like I said at the end of this last segment, the last time we did and I'll say it now, uh, don't let this discourage you from sending us your best. Please do not let it do that because you make it good enough, you'll make an appearance. Yeah, if it's, if it's really out there, it's probably getting read on this segment. So you've got one month, people. You get pissed off about something TJ and I say? Leave us a comment. It might be getting red. That's I'm your down. That's your key here. I, I like this segment now. I mean, actually, I liked it the first time we did it, but I think it's fun that once a month now we're gathering all these replies to say, hey, you think social media is a negative place? Well, you're absolutely right. Really it is. Right. We're going to show you right here. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. This has been a fun episode, certainly for us. Hopefully it was for you guys too. I think we all needed it. I am telling you from firsthand experience, I needed this episode very, very badly. I did not want to talk about any more negative stuff revolving around the Mariners. So I'm very glad we did this episode and could have some fun debates and have some laughs. So with that, that'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full form podcast. You can do so wherever you get your audio pods. If you do that, make sure to download Leave us a five-star review and follow the show. Those reviews and downloads help us out big time. And you know what else helps us out a lot? If you like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. The full video podcast is over there. Go do that where we post our video sides of the pod. And then you can follow us on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.